Hello and welcome to the Live and Love Like Jesus podcast. My name is Andy Tier, and each week here on this podcast, we explore what it truly means to live and love like Jesus. We do this as we follow his example of being with God, being with others, and being sent. Now, we're finally past those dog days of summer, right? And it's finally fall. It's time once again to host some backyard barbecues and spend some nice cool evenings on the deck or maybe even the front porch. And I see people in my neighborhood walking around more now and I see yards decorated and they're ready for that first fall holiday, Halloween. Now, on this episode of the podcast, I invited Bill Altman, our adult growth lead here at Crossroads, and John Heflick, our local missions lead, to discuss neighboring and how we can serve the people right where we live, on our own street and in our own neighborhood. So let's listen now to my conversation with Bill and John. Thank you guys so much for being part of the podcast today. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank Thank you. you Yeah. Now, uh, Bill Altman, we've had on the podcast before. Bill, you're the um, adult director, right? right. As part Uh of the growth team, which is part of the formation side of our uh, of our staff, the way we're structured, right? Correct. And Mm -hmm. then, John, you've never been on the the podcast. So if you would, can you go ahead and tell us just a little bit about yourself and um, the role that you play here at Crossroads, too? Sure. Yeah, I'm John. Moved here about five, six months ago uh, to take this role. And uh, my role is to uh, help folks um, and build the bridges and coordinate uh, folks to go to parts of the city and that they wouldn't normally go to and be with maybe some folks that they wouldn't normally get to hang out with. So uh, we could talk about uh, missional living being where you live, work and play. So the folks in your circle of influence where you would normally do your weeks uh, and then my role is to kind of help you get out of those circles into some places in the city uh, and with people that uh, have a few more uh, needs than probably what you see around you. Awesome. So now can you tell us just a little bit about your family as well? Sure. I'm married. My wife, April, is a pastoral counselor. I have three kids, all in college, one married this summer. That was pretty awesome. Uh, and uh, one living with us. So it goes to University of Evansville. Cool. So you've been here for just a few months, and now your son is, he's a purple ace, right? He's a purple ace, and he's loving it. It's a, it's a great campus, great atmosphere. Awesome. That's great. So the reason we're here today to talk, I, I, I thought it's very topical. With it being fall now, it's getting a little cooler outside, mm-hmm. a little nicer, easier to sit on the front porch if you have one the back deck if you're so inclined <laughs> but um one thing that's definitely come, that comes up at this time of year and it comes around every year is halloween mm-hmm. and i think this is a unique opportunity for us right mm-hmm. when it comes to neighboring and bill I, I know as the adult director you do have a sermon coming up real soon that you're preaching that's on neighboring so i know you've studied this you're into it <laughs> what can you tell us about great ways to neighbor during this time. Yeah. So, um, Halloween, I don't, you know, there's, you, you might be, um, in different places as far as like the holiday itself, but there is something super unique and strategic about Halloween and it, because it's the only time of the year that your neighbors come to you, like that neighbors actually come to your house. 
And like, that's a pretty significant thing. So we've always tried to do Halloween big, um, make our house a place that people want to come to. Um, it's a little challenging where we live right now because we're one block off of Alvard, which is like the the key place in Evansville. Everyone wants to go and trick or treat. Um, and so like for the last two years, we've sat out on our front porch and just watched everyone on Alvard, like one one house away and no one coming down our street but uh the when when we lived here in Newburgh we um we decided okay what's something that we can do to kind of make our house stand out and so we decided um let's do something for the grown-ups specifically the dads dads that seem get roped into taking the kiddos around at Halloween so in addition to having loads of candy we we would bring our grill out and had a whole, like a hot dog bar and so I'm grilling the hot dogs and we've got chili and all the fixins. And um, it took like just one year of doing that before it was like expected and demanded that we would continue that. And so since moving away from that house a couple of years ago, we've we've run into our some of our old neighbors and they'll almost always bring up, man, we miss the hot dogs at Halloween so much. But it was a, just one simple way of. Um, making sure that your neighbors, it wasn't just a hit and run, like they came and they had to stay for a couple of minutes. And then they would often stay while they're eating their hot dogs. See, we got to know each other um, just a little bit um, on that night. So that was that was one thing that, that we um, have done previously that I think was an effective way to just to show your neighbors you care and you're doing something just a little bit um, different that has some kind of meaning. Yeah. So, Yeah. That's awesome. And John, I, I think you have some ideas as well as when it comes to how to serve our neighbors in our community, right? Well, I, I agree. I think Halloween is a, is an awesome opportunity to get to know your neighbors, to engage them in some way. And not just your physical neighbors, like the, uh, the people around you, but the people in your community. Uh, so I've, I've heard different things. I, I love the hot dog idea. I've heard, uh, of people getting some, uh, like, uh, big pots with a, a burner underneath it and kind of creating a, a, a new school cauldron out of it and serving like hot apple cider out of those things. Something for the adults, for the parents, because uh, the kids are coming. So let's bless the adults. And how do you get them to stand around a little bit mm-hmm. and talk? And I think so. These are, these are great, you know, opportunities. Uh, I think it would be a, uh, a shame if we kind of pulled away from the holiday just because it doesn't always uh, fit our external values and things like that. That This is the opportunity for us, like Bill said, to everybody's going to be out and about uh, to engage our neighbors. So I've also heard uh, of some other things of if you're not so great, uh, don't love the idea of people coming to your house and knocking on your door and, um, you know, doing the trick or treat thing. Uh, what if you went out and uh, did a reverse trick or treat and you knocked on doors and gave them something? Now, I'm not talking about a, a tract or something like that. Uh, that maybe is a little bit too forward for how I know my neighbors, at least. Um, but what if you gave them candy? What if you gave the adult at the door uh, something that would be unique? Uh, just something to switch it up a little bit to say, hey, I'm, we're doing things a little different. Uh, I think anything is an opportunity to connect with your neighbors and to show them the love that God gave us. So when it comes to this, um, like, like these conversations and, and striking these up with our neighbors, 
what's our what's our goal in this? Yeah, well, I think um, I just I just like to think of little goals. Um, so I was taking my dog for a walk last night, and it was it was kind of after a long day, and it was already getting dark. And I've been trying over these last couple of months to to um, walk on my block every day and just pray for the homes that I'm walking past. And so um, I, I kind of thought, all right, this I'm, you know, it's good to get my dog out and to take a few steps myself, but nothing like significant is going to happen tonight. It's already it's already dark and it's the storms are coming in and all of that. Well, I was I was walking and a guy came out of his house to his car and I said hello. And he I don't remember who, which one of us made a comment that caused me to stop, but I stood on the sidewalk for a half hour talking with Clinton, um, my neighbor down the street that I had, that I had never met. And it was a great conversation. And, you know, it was, I mean, there was nothing like super, super um, spiritually significant that I would say, oh, wow, like this was an ax moment. But now I know his name mm-hmm. and now I can pray for him. Yeah. We were talking about COVID and some of the challenges and some of the losses that came along with that. And, um, and I, I know where he lives and can continue that conversation. So part of the goal is just to be in your neighborhood and to get to know people and, and then pray that God would use those relationships, look for open doors for the gospel that Paul talked about that several times, pray for, Mm -hmm. for me that there'll be an open door that I'll be able to then speak courageously about Christ. And so, but, but my goal in walking my neighborhood is just to, to pray for my neighbors, to get a sense of what is happening spiritually in my neighborhood, asking God, how can I pray for this block? And then looking for opportunities to say hello and make a new friend. That's awesome. So every conversation doesn't start at, um, like, like John was saying with a tract or or something like that, which can be intimidating Mm -hmm. for both us. If we feel like that's the expectation Mm -hmm. of of us and we're not comfortable in that situation right? or for the person that we're conversing with. Right. Yeah. It it is, uh, you know, the, the great commission is to go and be a part of disciple making, uh, not go for the point of just conversion. And so I think there's a, there's a tension to be held there, surely, that uh, the gospel to be communicated in a verbal way is important. Uh, but the goal is not to run into somebody's house to give them three sentences of a pitch and f- to ask them if they would like to pray. If that's what God asks you to do, then maybe that that's the right approach for you in that moment. But generally speaking, uh, it's going to be that long-term, build a relationship, pray for things and not a relationship that necessarily has this a passive agenda behind it. That just is a caring, simple human relationship that people don't often get sometimes in our neighborhoods. Um, you know, asking about ideas. I, I know I'm going to be cleaning up my neighborhood. I live on the South side and uh, there's a peewee football league that practices in the field across the street from me that's a constant state of bottles and water bottles and different, uh, you know, the, the mouthpieces and stuff they'll just leave on the ground. Uh, so we're consistently cleaning that stuff up in our neighborhood because when people come in for Halloween, I want to put our best foot forward in our neighborhood. So, you know, there are also like structural things that we can do to 
just help our neighbor neighborhood look good uh, that can be the beginnings of a witness. When I've been out doing that, uh, taking care of some weeds and such around the field, uh, my neighbor who is 81 years old, two doors down, comes out and oftentimes she'll come out and she'll say, oh, you beat me to it. And the 81 year old neighbor is the one who's going out and picking up the trash in the field across the way. And she tells me stories about how this used to happen in the neighborhood and that used to happen in the neighborhood, but how this person passed away. And just by that being out and being proximate for the good of the city, then I start to hear the lifeblood of the city and the history of, of my neighborhood. And that has been incredibly rich conversations to be able to have, especially as somebody who is an ethnic outsider in my neighborhood. Uh, I'm the guest in a sense. And so I need to listen a lot. And that has just been a, a an awesome opportunity to hear w- what our neighborhood used to be like and and in a sense then kind of help revision it too, like what it could be. So um we we've talked a lot about Halloween and then Bill, you talked about walking your dog and things like that and and striking up conversations. What are some other ways that we can like kind of join into yeah. the fabric of our neighborhood? John, it feels like you have a really unique situation in in yours. So um I know you said like you're helping clean a lot yep. across the across the street. What are some other ways that we can kind of um, get ourselves worked into the yeah. fabric of our neighborhood and 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 learning um, the the people within our within our neighborhoods? I, I don't know how to be involved in a neighborhood without being part of the neighborhood association. Now, th- some people would say, well, it's the, the, this age demographic and with this agenda and stuff like that. To me, go where the people are talking about the neighborhood. Like be a part of your neighborhood association. Will it always be thrilling? No. Uh, a, a lot of times we, I live by Baird Park and my neighborhood association has Baird Park in it. And so we're talking about the trees in the park and how can we work with the city, which thank you city, the city did uh, take a bunch of trees down uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but th- that's not my agenda. I mean, uh, trees are great. I don't want anyone to get hurt from trees. Uh, but being a part of the neighborhood association helps you see the fabric. And then it also usually will get you in touch with the people who hold that social narrative of your community in their hands and who want to tell it. And to me, that's very, very, very important to know your neighborhood is to know the history of it, the fabric of it, who started it, who were the people who would come mow the lawns when no one else was able to, if they were sick or once you know that kind of stuff, then you can start to see where the redemptive potential is in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, Bill, you're a little, I, the last time we spoke, you said that you're an introvert. You said that it surprises people a little uh-huh. bit to learn that of you. But um, how do you prepare yourself for those conversations? And the- Yeah, you know, it, it does. It, it takes a good deal of energy for me um, to walk into a space where I don't, already know people and very, and it's very comfortable for me that way. Um, and so some of it is just, um, kind of just making myself, you know, just kind of making a decision. Like I really do value getting to know my neighbors. And most of the time that means probably me making the first move. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, and, and then just recognizing that it's not, it's not that hard and it's not, um, you know, talking about neighboring, it's not like, Oh, great. Here's another thing on my list of things that I probably am not going to do. And I'm just going to feel, feel bad because I'm not doing it. It's, it's really just kind of changing the mindset mm-hmm. 
behind doing the things you're already doing. You know, you already, um, if you are, if you're already a person that takes walks or, you know, you're doing outside things, well, just keep your eyes open and, and maybe say a quick prayer before you, you know, before you go hang out in your front yard and do yard work pray that God would bring somebody by and that you could have a, a quick conversation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do feel for all the introverts in the world. Fortunately, I've kind of worked through the shyness part of that. Um, just with with life, I think life has kind of taught me to be more comfortable stepping outside. But it does it takes it t- does take a level of energy, but the the reward is is so great. I would add to what John said because I know in Evansville, especially south of the Lloyd, like the the neighborhood associations are strong mm-hmm. there and they they meet regularly and all of that. Uh, if you live in an area maybe where there are newer newer neighborhoods. I know our neighborhood and uh, when we lived uh, here just off Epworth, it didn't really have an HOA. There wasn't really any um, involvement with that. But there is an app that you can get on your phone called mm-hmm. Nextdoor. Yeah. And it kind of serves like that. Um, you'll get to know and people often will will post when they are new to the neighborhood. And then it's just like, hey, hello, I'm here. It's a simple, you know, just a simple thing for you to reply to that to that post. Mm-hmm. And um you know, and, and maybe begin a, a conversation that way. People will share about concerns they have or, you know, talk about crime in the neighborhoods or whatever. And it really, that app helps you get a sense of what's important to the people around you. And and that's something that you, you know, you can just set the notifications to pop up on your phone and you can get a little bit of a sense of that without, yep. you know, you don't have to attend a meeting or... Um, especially if you don't have that opportunity, you can still engage with your neighbors and see the things that are important. So if you don't have the Nextdoor app on your phone, I would say like, stop now and and download that. And you put your address in and, and it'll connect you with, your, with the people around you. Yeah, so um, I know we've talked about some things that we can do within our neighborhoods. And, but John, also as um, the local outreach lead, uh, what are some things that uh, we can do, like kind of in that next circle? Mm-hmm. How can we serve uh, during this time in our city as well? Well, one great opportunity is uh, through one of our partners, Community One. Uh, they have an online um, kind of a matching service almost uh, called Neighbors Helping Neighbors that uh, someone uh, in a part of our city uh or anywhere in the city can raise their hand and say, I have this need in my house. And that can be anyone from uh, a grandma looking to set up her Wi-Fi system and she doesn't know how to do it uh, to someone with a broken toilet who doesn't know how to fix it uh, to someone who is uh, a struggling. Maybe they've been in the hospital and they can't get out and mow their lawn. I need somebody to help mow my lawn for temporary, but these are just temporary needs that uh, they go online and they put them in the system. And once you register and get a background check, uh, you can get on to Neighbors Helping Neighbors and sort by a whole bunch of different criteria. So for me, I'm sorting uh, by my my zip code. And so anything that comes up, you can get emailed, texted, uh, these kind of opportunities to come help neighbors who you wouldn't normally probably uh, get in contact with. So that is a great opportunity. Community One, it's right on their front page of their website. Uh, that you can get access to that. It's called Neighbors Helping Neighbors, and I would uh, really encourage that. Cool. So um, 
when it comes to using technology to further the gospel, I'm all about it. So, <laughs> so right now we've got uh, Neighbors Helping Neighbors. That's the Community One website. And then we also have the app that you mentioned, which was... Next Door. Next mm-hmm. Door. All right. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So um, but before we go, um, at, as we end today's conversation, uh, what kind of closing things would you have that you'd like to add to what we've already spoken of? Yeah, I, I would just say that um, that there like there is a, a level of I don't know if excitement is the right word, but just like feeling engaged with the gospel. We just just wrapped up a series through the book of Acts and seeing how the Sp- Holy Spirit moved through the church. And the thing that's so fascinating when you read through Acts is there are those heroes, the apostles, Peter and Saul, who becomes Paul and like the evangelist like Philip. But most of what happens in Acts, it's it's like the people whose names we'll never know. And it's just people who were living their lives, mm-hmm. going to work, getting to know their neighbors. And and like you needed the Paul and you needed the evangelist to kind of go and establish a beachhead in new towns and new cities. But once that was established, um, Paul moved on to the next place. And it was the responsible of just run-of-the-mill Christians like, like the three of us, just regular people, mm-hmm. um, but who, who God had placed in their neighborhoods and God has put each of us in our neighborhood. And, and we, like, there is a life that he wants us to live there that is exciting. And I think if, if it just, like, if you just begin to pray for your neighbors and, and maybe that looks like sitting, sitting at your kitchen table and thinking about the people who live around you, or maybe it's getting out and walking half a block and just praying for each home, Mm -hmm. like God will change your heart toward the people who live there, you'll begin to experience, um, I think, more of his love for, mm-hmm. for people. And, and when that happens, it's like the adventure begins and just wait to see what God does because he will open doors. Yeah, I love that. We always want to get personally connected with people, you know, like sharing stories and sharing lives. And, and, and that is definitely a precursor for sharing God's story is when people know us and know our story and, and and there's a comfortability level again, not for necessarily toward that end, but as God leads and as they seem curious in that, uh, but I can't stress enough that in order to be personal, you have to be proximate. You have to be near people. Uh, I think so much of our, our world, uh, we, we tend to bastion into our homes and then we put fences around our yards and we put gates in front of our communities. And so it's all for the purpose of protecting the asset of our homes. What if we look differently at our home as the place where God starts our ministry and mission? And even if we have all of those things around us, that we can maybe flip the script and think, how can we be open-handed with this? How can we be in our front yard instead of always being in our backyard? How do we get proximate with people just walking along the sidewalk with them? Uh, like Bill said, just walk in your neighborhood and praying for those. And then I, I wouldn't be sitting, I wouldn't be doing my role well if I didn't uh, say, hey, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Jerusalem was a, the first call of Acts 1.8 that God gave and said, hey, you are going to be my witnesses here. And Jerusalem is in the big city. It's where all the people who expected the, the, the people who look like you, talk like you, and think like you are. And Judea was in kind of the suburbs, the outlying areas, but it's still people who are culturally similar. 
But then he throws Samaria. And Samaria were the others. To whomever that audience was, Samaria was an other. But yet Samaritans were neighbors. And so God has put us in a position to also reach our Samaria around this corner. And that could be someone who is financially struggling, someone who's maybe blue collar, if you're white collar, uh, someone who maybe doesn't come from the same part of the country that you come from or the same part of the world. But as you go around and are praying for your neighborhood and you're seeing people, you're being proximate in your neighborhood, uh, start praying for those folks. Because there is an intentionality in scripture to the other, whoever the other is. And I think if there's any uncomfortability that we have, uh, if I could encourage us to push into that in prayer first, to say, God, help me see uh, the the home that has two cars parked in the front who doesn't seem to ever move them and they're broken down. And I'm frustrated by that. As I walk by, change my heart to that. And, and, And maybe he opens those doors in ways that we never intended. But as we go about in our Jerusalem, Let's not just stick with our Judea. Let's push into Samaria as well, because that's the call to care for the other. That's awesome. Wow. Thanks, guys. You know, thank you so much for taking the time for this conversation today. Uh, And thanks for the challenges that you present, too. So simple in many ways, right? For Mm -hmm. First, just Mm -hmm. getting out of the house, (laughs) right? In, In our neighborhoods and around. And then that other one, I kept hearing that word serve. Mm-hmm. Over and over, you know, or thinking of that picture of, of whether it's uh, gathering the trash that is littering the ground in the field across from our home, or if it's serving people in our neighborhood as they're going past our house on Halloween, mm-hmm. trying to get them to share a hot dog and some chili or whatever that might be, or John's idea of actually uh, reversing the whole narrative on trick-or-treating and actually knocking on someone's door with something in your hand to give to them. Uh, that hopefully, striking up a conversation or just, and just making connections. And it's that proximity. It's those connections that are so vital to, uh, to, to what we do when it comes to spreading the love of God through our, through our city, mm-hmm. right? If we're going to pray for heaven to come here to, to earth, then I think like these are great ways for us to just play our role within that as well. So yeah. thanks again. It's been fun. Yes, thank you. Well, thanks again to Bill and John for taking the time to speak with me today. I hope that the ideas they've presented here have sparked something in your heart and they've inspired you to find ways that you can serve and start conversations with the people in your neighborhood this fall. Now, I pray that this episode of the podcast plays its part in encouraging you to not just learn more about following Jesus, but to actually go and to live in love like him. 